When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more. So you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I am Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. It's a different intonation there. It's almost like uh, you're in trouble. You're you're listening to this. You're in real trouble now. That's right. You're not going to be able to stop listening. You're going to have to keep listening and learn stuff. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I think this will be a good episode for some for learning some stuff. I'm always up for learning some stuff. Yeah. Maybe the first thing I'd like to learn is what's in my cup of coffee today here. Well, Tom, this is a. Sumatra, single origin from JBC Coffee Roasters in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, the JBC Coffee Roasters business website says that, uh, here's what they aspire to, unparalleled quality, a human story, and sustainability. That's our coffee philosophy. And so I thought, I read that and I thought, that reminds me of the aspirations of our field and those of our associated professional associations. All right, yeah. So what do you think of the coffee? And could you find some glimmer of a connection to today's topic? Well, I I like the coffee a lot. Um, You were kind of commenting just before we started recording that you liked it too. Mm Mm-hmm, I did. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's good. Um, And I think you've given me the connection. Um, oh yeah, so and I'll agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, those are all aspirations for our community and our professional organizations that we all mm-hmm, belong to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's that got to do with today's topic? Well, uh, you know, interestingly enough, we are talking about one particular professional organization that we are quite fond of, mm-hmm. and um, its recent rebranding. Mm-hmm. So um, I could tell you who I interviewed recently, or you could set it up for me. It's your choice, fielder's choice. Well, Tom, you recently interviewed (laughs) Dr. Rob Abel, who is CEO of the association now known as One Ed Tech and formerly known to so many of us as the IMS Global Learning Consortium. Yes. Anything you want to say about the interview before we get to it? Yeah, it's always fun talking to Rob. Um, And I think we had a good discussion about the recent rebranding from IMS Global to, um, to One Ed Tech. And just sort of in the interest of transparency and full disclosure, uh, I do sit on the board of directors for One Ed Tech. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if that makes a difference (laughs) to your listening, uh, I am an advocate for the organization and and for this Mm rebranding. Well, there you go. Well, through the modern marvel that is podcast time travel, here is your interview with Rob. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on TopCast. Well, it's great to be here with you, Tom. All right, so what I thought we could talk about is kind of the, the news of the day um, and the, the rebranding of, of IMS Global to One Ed Tech. And uh, for those that are maybe not as active in the community or don't know a lot about it, I thought, I thought we could kind of bring them up to speed on sort of all of the exciting doings within the organization. But maybe as a place to start, um, maybe you could give us a, a little bit of the, the history and mission of IMS Global and, and um, kind of bring us up to the point where uh, the rebrand uh, happened. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to to go through that. It's uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Actually, the the history of IMS started in the mid 1990s. It was a uh, a project within Educause, uh, the part of Educause that would be called ELI today, and it was a set of universities that were working together to uh, build what they thought was going to be called an IMS instructional management system. Um, what they were actually building, of course, or thinking they were going to build is today what we would call an LMS or learning management system. But that's how early this started. This was before uh, the LMSs were widespread at all or even existed. <clears throat> and so um, what happened was is that the, uh, the universities got together, they hired someone to lead the effort, and um, they started recruiting in corporate partners. And I was actually, that's how I first got involved. I was actually one of the sponsors of the IMS work when I was at Oracle at the time as a corporate person. I was doing e-learning products there. And um, what happened was, is the suppliers that got involved said, well, you know, it's great that you wanna build this IMS thing, but basically, wouldn't it be so much better, you know, if you uh, tried to help us build like a, um, an ecosystem of open standards, you know, so that so that the suppliers and everybody else could all work together. And so from from, uh, you know, the kind of 1997, 98 on, it really became more focused on standards and specifications. And an early specification was published for an IMS, and that turned out, and Blackboard was involved in that, and Blackboard was a five-person company at the time. And um, uh, then it spun out as its own entity. IMS spun out as its own entity in 1999 out of Educause. And, and from that point forward, um, we've, uh, we've had a lot of success, actually, in terms of uh, getting open standards uh, published that fit the needs of first higher education. Now uh, we're big in K-12 as well. And we've got standards, you know, that are pretty ubiquitous and actually are probably better, well, better known than the name IMS. So things like LTI, Learning Tools Interoperability, or Open Badges, or One Roster, which is used in K-12. These are pretty ubiquitous standards these days. And uh, so the mission, the mission, when I came, I came in as a CEO in 2006. We had about 50 members then. Now we have about 750. So we've grown very, very substantially. In fact, we're, we're about the same size now as the World Wide Web Consortium, believe it or not, which is kind of the probably the best known uh, standard set of con set setting consortium in the world. So we've had a lot of success with standards, but basically, you know, because of the unique partnership that exists in the organization between the the institutional members, right, of, of which you guys are one at UCF and the and the, the supplier members, and now we have K-12 school districts and states. It really is a partnership to, to shape what we call the, the ecosystem, right? It's, it's about standards, but the standards are a way to shape the ecosystem that, we're, that we want in terms of how innovative is the ecosystem. This is going to support the things that we want to do you know, as educators. And so, so the, the new name, uh, One EdTech, really just reflects that evolution to a more of a partnership, a committed partnership amongst the members to really help shape the future of this whole realm of EdTech and the one 
signifies, you know, a united commitment to work on that um, uh, together. And um, uh, and and uh, it's a, it's a great name, and it's much more meaningful than IMS, which of course, although it was a good brand in terms of the the uh, the member experience, of course the term instructional management system basically doesn't mean anything anymore. So it was kind of time to move to a new name. <laughs> yeah, and the way I've sort of thought about it, because you know we've been very involved with with uh, especially the LTI standard, but some of the others as well, um, that it makes sense that the organization kind of reposition itself so that these are standards not for standards sake, but standards in the service of a mission, standards in the service of accomplishing things, of serving students and faculty and, and others. And, um, and in that regard, um, I, I think it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. And you, as a CEO, and, and I know that as, as part of your effort in the rebranding process, have identified these, these four overarching imperatives. Uh, one is transformative digital learning. One is uh, achieve, uh, achievement, opportunity, and employment, personalized learner journeys, and learner success, retention, and outcomes. I wonder if you could say a word about those and, and how you think that uh, not only the new brand, but the, the kind of legacy work of the organization can support those. Yeah, yeah, that's a, thanks for asking that. And your, your uh, comment uh, reminded me, you know, basically since 2006, since I came in, we, we realized right away that, you know, our calling was to develop great standards, but in order to develop great standards, we had to have the full engagement of the, of the community, especially the end user community. And, and that meant that, that being involved in the adoption of standards in terms of large scale projects, as well as the understanding what the impact of standards is, and we actually came up with a name for that. We called it Learning Impact. And to this date, date that's our Twitter handle. Um, and we started having a Learning Impacts Award at our annual conference called Learning Impact. It was all about trying to understand and um, reward or acknowledge you know, the transformational nature of when you put in an ecosystem with a foundation of open standards, it really helps you scale innovation in a way that you couldn't, not just across the entire industry, but in your particular institution, or if you're a supplier within your particular ecosystem. And so, uh, so we really started working pretty early on from 2006 forward to uh, understand you know, how we would build a much more engaged community, not just around standards, but around what the impact of standards is. And, and you know, we've been involved in the middle of the whole next generation digital learning environment discussion and GDLE, because the reality is, is that our community is probably doing as much or more to shape the future of learning technologies through the standards and the ecosystem work as any. And so, so as part of the rebranding, um, we came up with work. We were actually working with the board of directors. We worked with all the members, but we worked especially um, close with the board of directors to try to understand, well, what are some of the areas we felt going forward for the future we would be impacting and so that we could be talking about those with the brand. So not just things we have done, which we have done a lot, <laughs> but, but also where this is all going. And those four imperatives 
we like that term imperatives, but basically you could think of them as leadership strategies as well. And they're leadership strategies, both from an institutional perspective and also from a supplier perspective. So the, the transformative digital learning is really, you know, how to build a foundation to accelerate leadership in digital learning at your institution. Or if you're a supplier, how to be be part of an ecosystem that's accelerating digital learning. So what this basically means in kind of a few words is responsiveness. You want an ecosystem that's responsive to the needs of the faculty and the students, right? And right, wasn't the pandemic, right? A great example of the need for responsiveness. But quite frankly, it comes up all the time. If you want to be innovative, you have to be able to turn relatively fast. You have to be able to support a wide variety of diverse things. The other area that's part of the digital, the transformation, the digital learning part for us is the, is this whole idea of a big focus on vetting, vetting of applications, because that's something that institutions are all doing. And basically we're trying to make it easier to help vetting, particularly relative to things like student data privacy and accessibility and so forth. And so, so, so that's, that first area is really about hey, you got to set up an ecosystem that's forward-looking and can be responsive to the needs uh, going forward, right? So LTI plays a big role there, especially the advanced features of LTI um, and, and also some of the other baseline specifications like in K-12, one roster, right? And we've got a new one in higher ed coming up called EduAPI, which is about the SIS integration. The personalized learning, the second one is really all about, you know, basically get, uh, creating a foundation of choice, you know, choice for the teachers and the students by leveraging a, a very wide ecosystem based on open standards, but also at the modular level. So it's not necessarily, so it's the ability to not only be able to do great digital learning, but to give access to a variety of resources at what some people historically have called the learning object level or something along those lines. Those, thing, those two things together allow personalization. So there, LTI, some of the features of LTI like deep linking are very important, but also we have something called thin common cartridge, which allows content to be described essentially as an index or manifest, and then be, then be accessed or searched directly from an LMS or learning object repository of what, or what have you. The third area about, about the um, uh, recognizing student achievement is really about creating an architecture for micro-credentials um, and, and utilizing micro-credentials to essentially do so much more than you could do with a traditional transcript and also giving a way for not only the institution to capture those achievements for the students so they can tell their story better in terms of their career opportunities, but also something called the comprehensive learner record. You know, you might, you might capture those achievements as an open badge. That's one of our standards, the open badges standards. But also we have something called the comprehensive learner record, which can be used by a learner to essentially curate their achievements throughout their lifetime. And the last one is, is aligned with this whole area of student success, which has been quite a catchphrase, buzz phrase, whatever you want to call it. Where we're coming from here is a little bit different. We're talking about, well, you, if you want to get the student success that's related to your learning systems, what you need is you need real-time information. You need real-time data, and therefore you need data built into your ecosystem. The products you buy, whether it's an LMS or the applications that are part of your you know, universe that surround your LMS or your student information system, these systems have to have 
data that's easy to get at, easy to access, and can actually be streamed in real time so that you can use modern data architectures to uh, create all sorts of alerts and other things along those lines. So our call to action there is LTI plus caliper and a certain set of baseline information from the caliper standard that emits data in real time. So that, But the, the important thing is that as a buyer, institutions start asking for that as being built into their products as they as they acquire them, and and so all of we see we see all of those four areas as four areas that we're already making an impact, but the really areas for the really the next decade to really be digging in on and continuing to build the community around. Yeah, thank you. Um, I know one of the the questions that has come up around the rebrand, and there was a little bit I think of confusion even at the at the learning impact conference was, well, th- these are all cool things and we're all on board, but you know, does this mean you're not going to support standards anymore? And uh, the way you just described it, it's clear, of course, you're going to support standards. The standards are part of, uh, you know, achieving the goals behind each of those imperatives. Well, sta- standards are a funny topic because the, the people we want to care most about standards don't naturally care about them. <laughs> right. You know, they, don't, yeah. they just think that that happens somehow. You know, standards just show up like there are people somewhere. I don't know exactly where they are. They might be working for Tom Cavanaugh or they might be working for whoever. <laughs> somehow those things are just kind of showing up because in a way, you know, standards are ubiquitous. But a lot of standards that are developed in the, in the general marketplace, like, say, networking standards, suppliers basically build them on their own because by building them on their own that creates huge much a much larger market opportunity for them because if their products don't work together there's you can't have a network you know so it's kind of that simple so they need but in education it's a little more tricky than that because because it's a little bit more unclear in fact the mold that that I we came into where I you know IMS in 2006 when I came in as a CEO is that just the opposite most of the systems were standalone Right. Walled gardens is our the favorite favorite term that we like to use right uh, out there because the suppliers don't see the incentive, the incentive. So so some of the good news is some of the suppliers do some of the suppliers did and some of those suppliers are participating with us. But it's really the institutions that come in and say, no, no, you know, you guys don't get it. You know, we really do have to have these products work together. It's really suboptimal for our faculty, our teachers, our students, if these things things are standing alone and, and our assessment system is not fully integrated with our LMS or our classroom response system or these things have to be integrated to really be used. And so so the, the, the so the question is, how do you get people interested in standards? And the answer is, well, you talk about the impact of standards. And that's what the imperatives are about. They're about the impact of standards. But you can't have an ecosystem without standards. The standards are the language of the ecosystem. They are the thing that define the ecosystem. They're like in the you know, biological sense, they're like the oxygen you breathe or whatever, right, <laughs> that, the, that the creatures breathe. Without those standards, there are no rules by which you know. So the standards are really important. And believe me, the testing, the certification, making this sure the standards are plug and play, the products are certified, is, is really, really important because you can have standards too but they can be implemented differently by every party. And then you really don't have much interoperability or standards can be used to lock you in. I mean, many big tech companies use standards primarily to lock you into their ecosystem because they add stuff on top. So that's one of the really important things that the one tech community does is we, we create that demand 
and we also um, verify, you know, the trusted part of the ecosystem. How do you get a trusted ecosystem? Well, it's through verification. That's the best way. And that builds lasting partnerships. And we see great partnerships in the community because the suppliers that are involved and the institutions that are involved, you know, kind of, you know, get it together that they're working to, to really create something lasting. Cool. Well, you know, thanks for, uh, for uh, taking the time to be on the show to talk about all of that. We will, um, in our show notes, uh, link to the Wanted Tech website uh, so people can kind of dig into each of those imperatives a little bit more. Or if they're not familiar with the work of Wanted Tech or even previously IMS, um, they can get a lot more information there, maybe get involved in the community, join, um, have a voice in the development and, and you know, kind of ongoing support of these standards. It's, you know, it's why we participate, because I agree with you. Um, it, that's a good way to describe it. They're sort of the language of the ecosystem, because these things are going to have to talk to each other. So... Um, Rob, on behalf of Kelvin and myself, thank you so much for being on TopCast. All right. Thanks, Tom. Well, Tom, that was your interview with Rob. It was, yeah. I, I, like I said, I always like talking uh, to Rob. And uh, and this was, uh, you know, I think a good opportunity to share uh, some of the rationale behind the rebranding and, um, and, you know, for people to understand that IMS Global Now One Ed Tech hasn't abandoned standards, mm-hmm. but it's it's a different uh, lens through which to look at standards that they are more in the service of, you know, strategic, academic, mm-hmm. um, you know, objectives and goals mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to sort of standards for standards sake. Yeah. No, I think that makes, I think that makes sense. It's, um, we've talked about this before and I, I told you that uh, a couple of years ago I sat for one of those, um, I don't know, they partnered with an outside firm to do some interviews with people at uh, the, the annual conference and kind of get a sense from community members, kind of how the brand was perceived and, you know, for better or for worse mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I remember some of that conversation, one, because it was in San Diego. It was I think it was San Diego. I looked out this window. It was beautiful out there. I kept <laughs> looking out there while I was talking to the the, the interviewer. And um, I remember in, in the conversation we talked about the – you know, the tendency for some to view this work as sort of, you know, invisible, like plumbing. You just mm-hmm. expect it to work and unless, sadly, it stops working. Right. You, <laughs> which yeah. bad things happen. It's like a referee or an umpire. You, you only notice them when something goes wrong. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Rob would take exception to the description of, of you know, standards and the technology mm-hmm. behind them as plumbing. Although I get why some people say that sometimes. Yep, I've heard right. that also about the LMS. Yes, it's that's just right. plumbing. That's right. Like, yeah. Well, you could look at it that way, mm-hmm. but you're not taking full advantage of the affordances of what it offers if that's how you consider it. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, I think certainly the organization has been leaning into, you know, uh, leadership and, um, Guidance and uh, direction uh, in within a certain lane, uh, within our our broad community, not just plumbing, obviously. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and specifically, you know, those four imperatives mm-hmm. that um, that we talked about. And so I'll just sort of recap them here: mm-hmm. yep. uh, transformative digital learning, personalized learner journeys, mm-hmm. achievement, opportunity, and employment, mm-hmm. learner success, retention, and outcomes. And, um, 
you know, how, how could you argue against any, any one of those? Right, you know, they're, right. they're all super important, um, not just us in higher ed, but, you know, One Ed Tech has a very large and substantial impact in the K-12 community yeah. and uh, has been working with the supplier side mm -hmm. so that, you know, they're better positioned to serve both higher ed and K-12. through yeah, and for what it's worth, I really appreciated Rob's retrospective on the history. I, I knew some of that. I've lived through some of that. Mm -hmm. But it certainly predates me and uh, my involvement in this community. And uh, that was good. And, uh, and and some of the related work, like NGDLE, you know, we've talked about here in past episodes of the Next Generation Digital Learning Environment. Again, easy to overlook. But, you know, one of the things I was struck with um, listening uh, to your interview is, um, a phrase I've been using, it seems like, uh, for a while in uh, this year, is the importance of operationalizing the strategic. We sometimes look at those two terms as in conflict, the operational or the strategic. And I, I've begun pondering that and leaning into the operationalizing of the strategic. And I, I think that is a way of describing the work of One Ed Tech. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that, and um, you know I think that this this rebranding is a is a, a good way to you know really underscore that you know to, yep. th that strategic, that's right. less operational, less transactional sort that's of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know for what it's worth, I I, I would encourage uh, people, institutions, to get involved in the in the community, even if you're just sort of a consumer of the standards mm -hmm. like. Um, like, I mean, that's how we started. We started with LTI and we were a big user of it and felt like we needed to be a part of the community and have, a, you know, a, co a contributing voice to the development of that. And now we have a center of excellence for LTI mm -hmm. and other kinds of things um, that it's a it's a big, open, welcoming community. And um, you really can help shape the future. It really is, you know, member driven. Mm hmm. That's great. Well, you want to try to put this plane on the ground safely? <laughs> Let's see what we can do here. So um, our digital learning community features a number of valuable professional associations, and we belong to a lot of them, mm -hmm. uh, each with its own unique distinctives, mm -hmm. their own charisms, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. One Ed Tech's recent rebranding uh, is intended to more strategically support the higher ed ecosystem in general. And I, for me, look forward to their future impact yeah well said no yeah that's good well um i will probably finish drinking my coffee before i uh i, I depart because it's good i don't it is good yeah waste it. it's getting low in the mug here that's right well until next time for topcast i'm kelvin and i'm tom see ya